Step into the world of advertising with FjorgeCast, predicting the most important trends in the advertising industry. Host Tim Barsness dishes on the latest developments within the advertising realm. Tune into the FjorgeCast to receive insider tips and advice from experts within the advertising industry. FjorgeCast is your first stop in hearing about the unique opportunities and challenges advertisers face today. Cranberry Radio is proud to present FjorgeCast with your host, Tim Barsness. Thanks for joining us on FjorgeCast. I'm Tim Barsness, founder of web and mobile development team Fjorge. And today on our show, we will be talking with digital marketing and e-commerce expert Angel Lorente Paramo. Welcome to the show, Angel. Thank you very much, Tim. So Angel, you have uh, 10 years experience in digital marketing and e-commerce. Tell us a little about how you got to where you are today. Okay, so actually it was quite an unexpected journey because I studied aerospace engineer and I began my career working on missile guidance, so basically coding. But I was passionate about business building and then I decided with that area and I joined Procter & Gamble to learn more about marketing, brand building, launching products, etc. And there I was, it was the year 2009, 2010, and all those conversations about digital marketing, shifting budget from offline to online begin to develop and actually you could see marketing directors saying, hey, I have a kid who is always on something called Facebook and consumers seem to like it and why don't we do anything about it? And basically suddenly all clicked because I was having that quantitative or tech part of my previous job, but at the same time, like the business building component that I really love. So this is when I kind of fall in love with digital. Got it. So do you feel your background as an aerospace engineer gives a competitive advantage in the digital marketing field? Yeah, because I really feel that one very important part of the job is like the analytical, how do you approach problem solving, how comfortable do you feel with data? And uh, probably one of the areas that have changed a lot is that we have moved from this gut feeling marketing to something that is very data-driven. And obviously, the more training you, you have there, the more comfortable you feel with statistics and with analyzing data, the better. Absolutely. So what prompted your switch from, you kind of alluded to this, but from aerospace engineering to um, digital marketing? Well, to be really, really honest, I mean, I enjoyed what I was doing, but I felt I needed more people interaction. So basically, you're in front of your computer, you're coding eight hours a day. You don't really see where all your work is doing. Uh, And I really was missing that part of being on the front line, being able to see how your actions translate into numbers for the company, translates into something. Yeah, basically, this is what triggered the change. Got it. It's almost like marketing felt more real than your missile guidance work. Yeah, I think so. And I guess that's a problem that happens, I mean, depending on the kind of personalities. But when you begin talking with coders or like former engineers, I feel it's quite widespread that you want to see where your work goes. And unless you are like very passionate about product development or about really building something, then you don't feel that satisfaction after some time. Got it. And your agency is called Easy Digitas, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Cool. Yeah, we are trying to reflect there the fact that our core focus is simplicity, arriving to the simplest solution possible for the customer, ensuring it can be run by people with limited time, with limited digital expertise. So what do you do to arrive at the simplest solution possible? What's the process look like? Honestly, it's like a problem solving. So let's say we try to understand first the requirement of the customer and trying to reduce them to the minimum possible. So it's like arriving to a minimum viable product. So in this case, it's like the minimum viable, let's say, requirements. 
And once we are there, we try to find something that is very easy to execute because the, the aim here is that once we deliver what we call a strategy or a project, the customer should be able to run it on his own. And we are talking about very, very small companies that may not have even a person devoted to marketing. It has to be run by the lawyer if it's a small law firm or an architect if it's a small architectural firm. Right. So you mentioned minimum viable product. That's a term from I became familiar with from the Lean Startup. Have you read the Lean Startup? Um, no, honestly, I haven't, but yeah, I kind of have read summary. It's all around this product development industry, like techniques to launch a startup and how do you minimize things and boil down all the requirements to the minimum possible. Right. You really want to find the essence of what you're trying to do and put in the least amount of effort to get the most results, right? That's correct. So what's the coolest thing you've done in your career? Well, actually, it's been around working with sports celebrities, honestly. I'm Spanish. As anyone else in my country, I'm a soccer fan. So I had the opportunity to work with some soccer celebrities. Currently, my company sponsors Football Club Barcelona, which is probably the best team in the world as per the last 10 years' results. And here, I mean, you're able to see an extra level of energy on the team and also an extra level of quality in the interactions with consumers. How do you see that extra level of, of quality? Well, I think it's because we marketers, we are always about trying to establish emotional bond with consumers. And sometimes that is easy when you have a sexy category, but sometimes that is very artificial. And, and for example, in Procter & Gamble, the main business unit is about a laundry product, which is something I would say not very emotional. So the moment you bring this, I mean, something that the consumer is is really concerned about, something that he cares and that he feels engaged with, then there is a window of opportunity to tell your story, to actually connect in a deeper level. And you are able to see that in both directions. So they connect through a celebrity that they do care about to a, a brand or a, a category that they don't necessarily care about? Yeah, that's correct. It's basically, I mean, you know the celebrity is the hook. And at the end of the day, it's going to be the copy or the communication idea is going to be about something relevant for that celebrity, but how you wrap your brand around it and how you're able to convey the message that you want to convey when talking about something the consumer cares, that's the trick. And this is where you really see the magic happening. Would you say that within digital, your niche is e-commerce? Yeah, basically within digital, my main expertise is about performance. So it's going to be about media buying, but oriented towards online sales. So it's not so much about branding or brand building. So it's off-page optimization for e-commerce then? Yeah, this is one of the things that I engage with, yeah. Got it. And can you give us a pointer or two on how you do what you do effectively? Basically, it all boils down to the same stuff as before. So it's simplicity. Uh, and it's also about personalization. I mean, if you have a large online business, what you try to accomplish is a frictionless uh, shopping funnel. So it's about less clicks, less forms, less fields to fill, less copy to read, even sometimes less images. And also internal simplicity on processes, on how you handle things. So that's the simplicity part. Tell us about the personalization part. If we are talking about personalization, it's going to be more about not only the remarketing part or inserting dynamic content on your site or how you adapt your future ads. I think there is also a portion that is missing the online world, which is more research on your target consumer. And this is something that maybe you take for granted in the offline world, but you don't do so often. So it's going to be more about understanding what the, does the consumer want and how does he want it presented. Can you compare how deep brands 
typically go as far as personalization is concerned and how far you feel they need to go? We can take a, a very good example from what I feel is a company that is doing very well in, in online, which is, for example, Booking.com. And there you can see that the moment you are researching a hotel or the moment you are considering acquiring something, well, you see a lot of small messages tailor-made to the kind of queries that you're doing, like this hotel or these facilities is going to run out of rooms very soon, or there is a person looking at this. And then when you exit and you don't complete the booking, the remarketing banners that you get are normally quite persistent, but quite well-made. So there I feel there is a very good example that in which the company tailors both the emails, the, the banners that you see to whatever experience you had on the website. Got it. They're displaying a remarketing banner that relates to the intent that you've kind of, yeah. kind of indicated. Yeah, that's it. But even beyond that, I mean, because... It's not only about showing me the product that I la I just query about. It's about how do you handle the frequency cap? I mean, how many times do you display that banner to me? What is the timing for sending me your next email? And what do you include on that email? And how that relates to the experience I just had on your website? Right, exactly. I'd like to get back to that. We need to take a break real quick. But when we come back, I have one more question that kind of relates to that personalization as far as remarketing goes. Perfect. Don't go away. George Cast with Tim Barsness will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at wmetraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at wmetraining.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Content for your ears. And everything in between. Cranberry.fm Tim Barsness is back with more advertising advice with FjorgeCast, only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome back to FjorgeCast. I'm your host, Tim Barsness, and we are here with digital marketing and e-commerce expert, Angel Lorente Paramo. So, Angel, we were just talking about remarketing and kind of personalizing the remarketing strategy. Remarketing overall is a pretty generalized thing. What are some tactics to personalize? You know, you were talking about the frequency of messaging or the timing of your next email. How do you get to a personal level on something like that? Well, it's a very interesting question, Tim, because actually within the whole, within the remarketing strategy of a company, you're also tackling different moments of the user journey towards ideally your purchase. And let's say we're talking e-commerce, you may be browsing my website just because you are interested in the category, or you may be just very, very close to purchase, or actually you try to purchase and there was a payment issue or your credit card didn't 
pass the fraud check of our acquirer, and actually that purchase didn't happen. And depending on what stage are you on this journey, obviously you need to show the consumer a different banner or even take a different action. So maybe it's going to be about a car recovery email if you are very close to completing the booking, or maybe it's just going to be about a general awareness banner if it's a user that just begin engaging with your content. Sure. The user journey or buyer's journey is something that is inherently general, right? I guess what you're saying is as you refine your journey, you can make it feel more personal. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's all about trying to understand what the consumer is trying to do and how deep is the consumer on, on the purchasing process. And there are very interesting learnings that vary by category. So, for example, if you take apparel or travel, you see that the average user journey is around 25 days. And there you can see that it's a very experiential shopping in which the, the consumer likes to indulge and understand more about maybe the destination or the articles that they are buying. And on the other hand, you have categories like finance or like insurance in which the average user journey is going to be more like a week. And there you see it's going to be more about trying to make things simple and trying to close the transaction. While on the first categories, it's going to be more about inspiring. Sure, absolutely. So these user or buyer journeys, you know, obviously these are things that you want to tweak or adjust over time as you learn more about your buyers. Can you help me understand the cost of switching or tweaking a journey compared to the value of learning learning more and creating a, a more personalized message for a user or buyer? Yeah, I guess it all boils down to the KPIs that you're handling. And again, let's take the assumption that you are an e-commerce digital marketer and at the end of the day, what you want is conversions. So there you are going to have to handle what is the cost per acquisition or the return on investment on your funds of running, let's say, basic creatives or basic media buying strategies versus doing a very tailor-made advertising. And here is not only going to be about the targeting of the media buying or how expensive is it to target consumers, but it's also going to be about the infrastructure that you need in order to create and to identify those profiles. And maybe it's also going to be about the time that it's actually going to take to run this personalized advertising because you are going to have to invest more time from your team or you're going to have to just generate more creatives. And why does it take more time or more manpower to produce effective personal advertising? Well, I think it's basically a consequence of the fact that you have more variables to play. And here it's going to be more about, okay, before when you're buying TV, basically you're buying a show and you're trying to make a proxy, um, which is going to be, okay, this is my audience. So this is a TV show I have to buy. But now you can target more on demographic or you can target more on geolocation, etc. So there is a price that you pay there that is basically time to run this whole thing. It's going to be also the infrastructure, as I mentioned before. Let me give you an example. Imagine you are doing landing page optimization. So yep. if you have a static page, then it's going to be all about, okay, you just produce your page and you're done. But if you are going to have a dynamic page that actually displays dynamic content based on the profile of users that you're going to have, then, well, first your content multiplies because it's no longer about having just one copy. You need as many copies as profiles. And then on the other hand, you just need the infrastructure to actually run that. So you may have to have a data management platform. You may need to create business rules that identify consumers based on their behaviors and parcel them on a particular category and then trigger a specific content tailored to that specific profile. Sure. And the more options you have, the more effort it takes. You got to make sure you have your, your base is covered. 
It seems like aside from the manpower to produce the content for the ads, yeah. the ads themselves are prices are rising as well. Why do you think that is? Well, it's a great question, Tim, and actually a question that every marketer asks himself, I guess. And my perception is that there are two forces pushing on the same direction. On one end, we have more money moving from offline media to online media. I read US digital advertising will next year be higher than TV advertising in terms of percentage of budget devoted to that. Right now it's around 35%. So obviously you have more people buying more or less the same stuff. On the other end, you have that inventory is not keeping up, ad inventory is not growing as fast as demand. And that is a consequence of maybe platforms not growing so fast as they were doing some years ago. So number of users Facebook acquires now, the number of opportunities or other spaces that are out there to be purchased is not keeping up with demand. Sure. So inventory has reached a saturation point. Yeah. That's causing it to not grow as fast as the demand. Yeah, that's it. Sure. I, I mean, there is also an interesting part there, which is, I mean, let me ask you, what do you think in 2003 was the most expensive keyword on Google? 2003 most expensive keyword. Yahoo. And I know it's a tricky question. Was yeah. it Yahoo? No, not really. I mean, it was actually mesothelioma, which is a type of oh, cancer yeah. Yeah, that is uh, caused through exposure to asbestos, which is a construction right. material. Yep. So law firms were paying at that point 100 bucks for that. If we run the same analysis today, actually you see that it's actually the same keyword or more or less the same keyword yep. is best mesothelioma lawyer. But now people are paying 135 bucks for it. Sure. So just imagine, I mean, There are not so many queries on that. So it's actually more lawyers bidding for that. And you can translate that to any other media piece. Right, absolutely. So, you know, you mentioned the, I guess it goes against my next question, but it seems the advertising world is ever-changing despite mesothelioma being a persistent, expensive keyword. How do you navigate this ever-changing environment? Well, let me first tell you that what I feel is that there are like two different speeds of change. I mean, on one end, we have advertisers and I feel there is a widening gap between advertisers and the whole industry. I was at the Google conference like a couple of months ago and we were gathering like 300 travel companies there and they ran like a live survey asking, okay, what is your attribution model? And wow, I was surprised to see that 80% of companies said it was last click in a theoretically digitally mature industry as travel. So here you can see that while the digital industry may be on one end, advertisers are on other. So how do you navigate that? Well, you have great content that is available online for free, like this show. And you also have probably suppliers cold calling you that are willing to pitch you some stuff. And I have found that some of the stuff that I learned, the most exciting one comes from suppliers just pitching me new products. Sure, absolutely. We need to take a break, but when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about some trouble with Facebook advertising as well as Patagonia making a giant donation. Don't go away. Georgecast with Tim Barsness will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. 
Brands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. A more refreshing kind of talk radio. Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. Tim Barsness is back with more advertising advice with FjordCast. Only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome back to FjordCast. I'm your host, Tim Barsons. I'm here with Angel Lorente Pramo. Our two stories today are some more trouble with Facebook advertising metrics and Patagonia making a, a giant donation. So our first story uh, involves yet another Facebook advertising blunder. This glitch in their system caused them to overstate their audience reach by 33 to 55%. This is not the first time something like this has happened. Angel, do you have any thoughts about Facebook's metrics and its viability as an advertising platform? Yeah, it's really shocking, I would say, and it brings down the whole trust and accountability discussion that has been on the table, I guess, since the beginning. And I feel advertisers that cannot avoid by feeling that sometimes you are just throwing money onto a black box and that there is some sort of agency conflict in which it's the same person that is selling you the advertising the one right. that is giving you the numbers about performance. Exactly. And How so can far, you hold I guess, them accountable if yeah. they're holding the keys to the black box, right? Yeah, that's it. So obviously we have not arrived to a solution on that right now. There is not, The ideal scenario is to have an independent third party to actually ensure that what you are buying is actually what is really happening. And a good example of that is maybe like ad servers. The moment you are buying advertising from some publishers and you want to ensure that actually your banner is displayed correctly above the fold or that you are targeting the right demographics, ad servers can allow you to, to do that. But the moment you are talking about something more fuzzy like reach or like KPIs that only Facebook can provide, then this whole thing begins to become more difficult. Don't you kind of have that same issue in the print world as well? The distribution numbers are somewhat exaggerated? Yeah, you're very right. I mean, actually, this issue is all, I would say it's inherent to the advertising industry because at the end of the day, you need to rely on a panel. So even if you if you are talking print, like the example you just mentioned, or even if you talk TV, I have had countless discussions about whether the audience numbers that your national provider is giving you make sense or do not make sense. I think it's just a matter of taking a benchmark and monitoring trends against a specific panel, but you are never going to have the certainty that what you are delivering is what you have actually contracted. So I feel that the best guidance there is to just use your business KPIs. Are sales increasing? Is consumer awareness increasing? Are brand perceptions improving? And this is what's going to give you the reply. Exactly, and build it into your media budget. Do you think that Facebook will feel the pain from this one, or will they get yet another free pass? Well, I'd like to say otherwise, but honestly, Facebook is the largest publisher right now. 
and I don't see advertisers that want to build a, a decent reach living without it. So yeah, there will be some interesting conversations with account managers, with your industry manager about what's going on, but I don't really think there's going to be a lot of things changing. Uh, I also have to say, I mean, at least Facebook is saying it. <laughs> right, really exactly. They, they're doing their best, right? Well, at least they're acting like they're doing their best. Yeah, yeah. at least I value that because yep. uh, you don't really know what's going on otherwise. And, and, and if we begin talking about programmatic advertising or about what you are buying through uh, demand side platforms, through ad exchanges, well, God knows. If we get into, I don't know, what traffic, click fraud. I remember a study published by the New York Times that they said like 54% of the traffic was done by bots. So exactly. just imagine that. Let's touch on our next story real quick. Patagonia has announced that they donated 100% of their Black Friday sales since it's the mon- it's Cyber Monday today. 100% of their Black Friday sales to organizations that help the environment. Out of that, seems like they're getting some decent media coverage, including on this great podcast. This is on the heels of them also announcing that they close their stores on election day, allow their employees to vote for hopefully the cause to help the environment. What did you think of this article? Is this surprising to you? Well, honestly, it's a surprise, but it's a very good surprise. And I guess linked to that debate about whether e-commerce is good or bad for environment, about whether are we compensating the extra packaging and the carbon impact of logistics with less consumer driving and less, I don't know, energy consumption and showrooms. But I think it's an inspiring example and a bold example. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think it has a positive impact on consumers? I think so. And if you begin to read a little bit about research on, let's say, millennials, you see that this generation that is approaching the top spending capacity and it's going to be the larger spender in the coming years, they have made it very clear that they want to buy from brands that care about things beyond profits, that they want to buy for brands that care about corporate uh, social responsibility. So Absolutely. I also feel it has an impact on revenue. Absolutely. We need to wrap. Um, Angel, where can people find you online? ecdigitas.com. Perfect. And you can find me at fjordsdigital.com. Thank you for joining us on the Fjordcast, Angel. You can download episodes of our program by going to cranberryradio.fm or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and very soon on iHeartRadio. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited 